You're listening to the State of Our Football Nation on FNR. We're back for another episode of State of Our Football Nation. Josh Parrish is alongside me. Uh, we're doing it again in this lockdown fashion that has become just so exciting <laughs> for us radio people. And uh, it gives us a little radio with pictures, which is seriously exciting. Not mm. quite TV, but we're almost there. We've got a very special guest. In fact, we have three special guests coming up. But our superstar, the, the one who will open the, uh, the program today is the former Matildas, former Central Coast Mariners coach in the A-League, the one and only Alan Stajic. A brand new chapter about to be written in your football journey, Alan. Welcome to FNR and to State of Our Football Nation. Thank you. I've got a great head for radio, so I'm not very happy with this uh, this uh, TV footage thing. No, nah, but like, pleasure to be Josh can always teach you how to wear those caps. It, it, <laughs> it's a bit, you know, swing it around, wear it backwards. It makes a huge difference. Yeah, you know what it's I'm all about. Sure. Hey, I've been out quite... working the back. I've been out working the backyard for the first time in my life. So um, yeah, I need the protection. Now, now tell us, uh, this is a big deal. Are you taking the whole family overseas, or is it just you in the professional guys going to, to fulfil your commitment, and the family will stay here? How does it work? Yeah, look, I've um, over the last or whatever fifteen years, but particularly the last five or six years, I've spent a lot of time away from my family and. The first year at the Central Coast, um, you know, I moved exclusively up there and, and, you know, they could only come and visit on on weekends. So, you know, our families obviously sacrificed a lot. And, you know, in, in that respect, COVID's been, you know, a blessing in disguise for me and the kids. You know, it's been great to spend that much time together. A little bit too much, 17 weeks straight, but... No, I've, really, I've actually really enjoyed it and, you know, the kids have been great. But, but for this part of the trip, we're actually basing ourselves in, in Los Angeles, the team. Um, so Noel and I are, are leaving next Sunday on the 7th of November and we start camp the next day and we're there for two and a bit months till January 14 or 15 and we depart straight to India for the Asian Cup. Um, we're hoping to get our families over. You know, they've missed enough school, so we're hoping we can get our families over early December and you know, share Christmas together and share four or five weeks together. But no, we're going over. It's a it's a tough assignment. We're really looking forward to it. And, you know, it's all, all professional from our point of view. We want to throw everything at it and give this team the best chance we can of, of qualifying for its first ever World Cup. Now, speaking of teams, uh, you haven't told Josh Parrish who you're going to coach. Come on, break it up. Tell us as it is. Will you be the Philippines national coach for the women's team? Yeah, of course. That's common knowledge, isn't it? It's Josh well, a bit behind the eight ball, is he? Yeah, he's he's been a busy. It's been a busy week. The past <laughs> week of football has had so many headlines, Alan. We didn't know yeah. where to start or where to finish. So yeah. for those slowcomers, um, you're picking up the reins. Where in heaven's name did this opportunity come from? Well, look, I got a call from um, a close friend of mine, uh, Jimmy Fraser, and he's got some contacts with. He's done a bit of work over there as well, and. Um, you know, one not of that the strange goalkeeper. Not he that is all, goalkeeper. all goalkeepers are strange, so he's, <laughs> you know he's well in that category. No, and uh, he he put me in touch with someone. They're looking for a coach for for the Asian Cup. So, you know, I got in touch with 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 all the all the dignitaries from the Philippines Football Association, and they really impressed me with their ambition and aspiration. And and that's you know that's all I'm looking for. I want I want a country who wants to get behind their team and want to achieve a bit of history. No doubt. Very difficult, very difficult. Um, you know, the team hasn't had a lot of experience at major tournaments. They've they've only been to one 
Asian Cup in in the last short period of time. You know, I know they went to a lot in their early history, but you know, it's a relatively new team and inexperienced team. Um, you know, haven't played. You know, I was watching the Matildas and you're talking about a hundred caps together. Uh, this team's maybe played five, ten, maximum twenty caps for for a lot of the players. So you know, it's a big challenge, but you know, they've got so much passion and pride. And they really are on the cusp of being able to make history. So hopefully we can go over there and help them achieve that goal. Alan Studgich is our guest on FNR, State of Our Football Nation is the program. And Alan, uh, Josh and I have spoken about this in the past. Asia has really taken to the game. It always loved the game, but not quite with the, with the money and the, uh, and the programs. And over the last 10, 15 years, we've seen the Thailands, we've seen the Malaysias, we've seen the Singapore and a host of other teams uh, in Asia and, of course, on the continent really step up. And we've seen the Indian Premier League throw up player after player after player. What are you expecting from the Philippines? Yeah, look, it's, um, yeah, you could put them in that category as well. I just noticed the other day that Vietnam are thinking about sending one of their national youth teams to be, live in Germany permanently. So that's the kind of investment and, and initiatives that, that Southeast Asian nations are taking at the moment. And you know, that's why they've become so competitive. Uh, you know, we saw the Oli Roos play Indonesia the other night and, and the Oli Roos won 3-2. And, and I thought we were significantly the better team and, and played good football. But Indonesia showed, you know, how far they've come. They scored a couple of cracking goals and their technique was was superb. And I think that, that there's some characteristics that go throughout Southeast Asia. They're, they're technically good. Um, you know, they've learned how to work hard. Um, you know, if you can just add a couple of other little facets to their game, there's no reason why they can't compete with with the big guns around the world. And but that's that takes time. You know, there's no magic wand. You can't wave it over people's head and expect all that to happen in six months or one year. You know, these are long-term processes that, that need to be put in place. And, and it's great to see that, you know, most of the Southeast Asians are now taking the game on board like that. How long is the contract? Um, look, at the moment, it's it's um, it's a short-term contract. But, you know, we'll reevaluate that at each juncture. But, you know, I've just, as I said, I've been impressed with, with their commitment to the game and their commitment to their to their women's national team, and that's really the part that dragged me in. Josh? Yeah, I wanted to ask about the makeup of the squad at the moment and where most of the players are playing their club football. I mean, you mentioned basing the team uh, in the U.S. Is there a U.S. connection there in terms of players representing American clubs? Yeah, there's a lot of expats who who uh, live in America um, who form some of the, the parts of the team over the last three, four years. Um, you know, at the moment, there's there's four or five of the girls playing in Europe um, with professional clubs. There, there's two two players in Japan as well in their new Wii League, playing in the top league in Japan. And then, you know, there's obviously a lot of girls who, who have been in the Philippines as well and, and all played in, in a similar college, university slash team over there and being the core of the team. But but there's certainly a lot of uh, a lot of expats throughout the United States uh, with Filipino heritage who, who, mm. who make up the squad as well. So, you know, we're killing two birds. The COVID situation in Philippines makes it a little bit difficult mm. to have a camp there as well. So, you know, it's, it's almost from that perspective a little bit easier to have the camp in Los Angeles like we are. And is scouting out that kind of diaspora and finding players with connections to the Philippines who might be eligible going to be a key part of your job or are you going to kind of stick with the players who are there with the qualifiers? No, 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 definitely. The, the, the net will be spread as wide as it can, as far as it can. We've, you know, we've seen in so many countries, even our own Socceroos at the moment, we've got Boyle and Suter and, 
and mm-hmm. um, a couple of others who haven't set foot in Australia yet, yet they're playing for the Socceroos and, and doing a fantastic job. So, you know, definitely we'll be doing that and throwing that net as wide as we can. Um, you know, we've already got 30 or 40 players who are, who are possibly going to come on trial uh, the week after and, and we'll have a good look at them when we, when we land. You watched the Matildas on Tuesday night against Brazil. What did you make of them? Yeah, look, I thought both games were, were really exciting. It was just... It was just fun, I guess, to see a crowd at the football again and particularly the Brazilian section of the crowd. They had so much noise and flavour and you could almost hear that coming out of the TV, the energy coming from the stadium. So, you know, from that perspective, it was it was just a massive boost for, for football fans. But, you know, I thought the games were, were so exciting, you know, end-to-end stuff. And, and in the first game, Brazil probably put a lot of their fringe players on and, and players who, who they're trying to build their depth with. Um, you know, they've got... A, Three or four key older players in the team in, in Marta, Cristiani and Formiga who are who are coming towards the end of their careers. So important for them to also look forward. And, and the majority of those players played in that first game. Uh, but we saw in the second game when they put their better team out, what what an amazing challenge it was. Mm. And you know, I thought I thought the Matildas were probably on top for the first 15, 10, 15 minutes, but after that I thought Brazil were probably unlucky not to go to the lead at half time. But you know, funnily enough, I thought that Australia were the better team in the second half and copped a couple of goals that, you know, they probably shouldn't have at, at that crucial time in the game. And, and then a little bit of momentum swung back the other way. But, you know, I thought, I thought they were two fantastic spectacles and, and both teams with, with good positivity and good energy. And, you know, someone like Ellie Carpenter running up and down, oh. flying up and down that line, I thought was, was amazing. And, you know, I think the second goal that Australia scored the other night is probably one of the best goals I've ever scored, the build-up, mm. The precision Tell of me, the passing, the finishing, I thought, I thought was truly it, world-class. It must give you enormous uh, satisfaction or sucker to see someone like Mary Fowler. Where does she find that eye to ping a pass and land it on a sixpence? It seems to me she does that three, four times in a game. And if we can get, whether it's Caitlin or whether it's uh, Sammy at the other end, it breaks defence. It just cuts defences in half. Yeah, Mary's Mary's very sharp. Uh, she's oh. got she's got two or three weapons under her belt that you know I haven't seen in a player before, and you know, I've said that right from the first time I've seen her. Left and right foot shooting is is probably the best I've seen over the last twenty years in women's football. Her her ability to beat people in in one meter tight areas is also amazing. Her balance is amazing. Um, she's just a young player. She's got a lot to learn um about the game about tactics about you know street smarts and all that kind of stuff but you know that time when she sold that little half dummy and rolled onto a left foot and switched that ball for caitlin oh. ford you know oh. there's not many there's not many girls in the world that can do that and you know it just showed that mm. she can really be a world-class footballer in the future uh, do you think it could have been a different game if uh, caitlin had scored in that first three or four minutes not really because we scored off right in court. front she right she had it right in front no, that and was a good build-up as well, but we scored off that build corner. Up. Wonderful yeah. build-up. Yeah. Brilliant build-up. We scored off that corner anyway, and maybe yeah, a little bit unnoticed Maybe a little bit unnoticed was sort of the pivot volley that Kyra Cooney-Cross had on the edge of the box, which again yeah. was excellent technique, and maybe she didn't get enough credit for. But again, there's not many players around the world who can use such technique, you know, on the edge of the volley. And, you know, even though it didn't, didn't go in, it actually caused problems for the Brazil defence, and, and we scored from the resulting play, but... You know, I thought Brazil were good as well. You know, when oh, they were wonderful. going forward, they looked extremely dangerous. And, you know, maybe Marta's lost the yard for me on, on what she was before. But her smarts and her skill and her ability mm. to bring other people into the game was amazing. 
I want to ask about youngsters. And there are two or three youngsters coming along too. Yeah, they, they were they were better than I thought they were going to be because you know they've had a pretty rock solid team for the last six or seven years, consistent players. So to see some of these new girls come in, I've seen a little bit of that Angelina who plays for Seattle over the last couple of months, and she looks quite good as well. Um, you know, Brazil was still missing one or two players. Their best centre-back, Rafaeli, wasn't there, and, and Beatrice up front wasn't there. So there were still, you know, two or three players that they were missing as well that they can add back into the squad for them moving forward. Wow. I wanted to ask about this this rivalry we seem to have developed with Brazil in women's football. It was a very physical game. I mean, I guess that goes back a, a few tournaments now. I, dare I mention the, the heartbreak and injustice of the, the Rio Olympics, Alan? Yeah, look, just by a fluke, really. We've, we've come up against them at every major tournament, basically, for the last 15 years, going back to 2007, 2011. We played them at consecutive World Cups 2015, 2019, four World Cups in a row, the Olympics at their home ground. Um, you know, and then we've obviously had all those home matches here against them as well. But, you know, two, two great teams slugging it out. You know, it was nice to get that 6-1 win against them at the Tournament of Nations um, a couple of years ago. But, but for me, it's just important for us as a country to know that we can't, we don't only have to compete with Brazil, we can outplay and beat Brazil. And, you know, we all know the notion of Brazilian football and to think that Australian football at any level can outplay a Brazilian team, can outmuscle a Brazilian team, can have technique that matches or beats a Brazilian team is, is very important for our mentality mm. as a country. And I think the Matildas over the last three, four years in particular have proved that a small footballing nation like us can really outpower a a superpower in world football. I think it was really exciting, and, and Josh and I have dis- discussed this too. There's a crop, there's another crop of youngsters in the Matildas who are coming along, and they've just had, just starting to get their feet wet. And two years away might be just about right to get them primed and really be pushing on the door to be in that side when we play the opening game against uh, whoever we play for the uh, 2023 World Cup. Yeah, look, I think Kyra, Kyra Cooney-Cross and Mary Fowler are leading that charge. Uh, Tegan Micah in goals uh, performed admirably during the Olympics. So, you know, they're three that are leading the way. There's obviously a host of others. You know, Claire Wheeler came on the other night and, you know, a couple of other young youngsters came on as well, Henry and, and uh, Charlotte Grant and a couple of others. But, you know, it's, it's not an easy process maintaining that team chemistry and being able to filter these young players in at the same time. So, you now that's a challenge for every national team. We're not a club team, so you only get together so often and, and limited exposures at camps and matches means it's always a difficult balance. But, you know, we do need to look at the long term, but, you know, the short term, we've got a good two, three-year window now to the next World Cup and the next Olympics that, you know, the FA and Tony have to have a look at the team to ensure that we have the best 23 players and good depth going into that tournament. And the other thing, I suppose, is we, you know very well, not all the players in the squad mature or advance at the same time. They, there are peaks and flows. They come. Some have a, a late arrival in, in, and you see some great growth in their, in their maturity and their play. And others, you know, start early and have that wonderful touch and maybe then reach a certain limit. And it's incumbent on whoever is coaching them, I suppose, to keep pushing them and gr- making them grow. Yeah, there's no formula. There's no formula. You know, Ellie, Ellie came into the team at 15 and she's now 21 and she's already had 50 caps for our country. Um, Mary Fowler, the same, but then others have debuted at 19, 20, 21, 22, 24. So, you know, it really doesn't matter. You know, if you're in good form and you show that you can play at that level, whether it's W League or overseas, uh, you'll get your call up. 
Have you got any big goalkeepers in the Philippines? <laughs> team of 17 or 18, you won't be later on. But ultimately, each national team is going to be Matildas and Socceroos. I was just going to say, have you got any tall goalkeepers in the Philippines? In that squad? Um, you cut out a little bit there, but I think you asked about uh, goalkeepers. Um, tall, tall ones or short ones? Uh, look, w- there's, a, there's a little bit of depth in the goalkeeping ranks, which is good. Which is good. Um, and, you know, we'll go into camp and assess where they're all at. And, you know, like every process, you know, we'll, we'll whittle it down to the final. Are you, three are you taking any more of your old squad with you? Any, any of the boys or girls that you know very well? Uh, yeah, Noel Arate is coming with me. Um, we're, we're trying to get one or two others as well. Uh, obviously, um, the expertise that we can bring, and and you know we've been we've been together mm-hmm. for a long time. So just being able to have that almost team chemistry right straight from the outset is important as well. So you know, yeah, Noel is coming with me next week, and yeah, there, there should be one or two others as well. Yeah, and you got your green, you got you got your green vaccination ticket as well, have you? Yeah, um, yeah. Look, you all have to be vaxxed and and certain vaccinations. And you know, I just spoke to a travel agent today. You need a PCR test and all that kind of stuff and and visas. But uh, look, I'm just excited to travel and get over there. And I'm sure everything will be fine once uh, we get look, there. Look, we're very excited for you, Josh. Was saying, Josh. Yeah. Before we let you go, Alan, I just wanted to ask you about your decision to return to the world of women's football. And, you know, whether you just assess all the job opportunities on their merits, given you've had success in both men's and the women's game as well, or whether returning to the women's game was a, was a priority of yours? No, not really. I, I've, never, <laughs> I've never put it into those categories, to be mm. honest. Um, you know, I just like coaching football. I've coached, you know, at a sports high school where there was 12 to 18-year-olds for 10 or 12 years. I coached at the New South Wales Institute of Sport. Uh, where, where basically we identified and tried to develop this crop of Matildas and they were age 15 to, to 20, 22. Uh, you know, now I've coached A-League, I've coached W-League. Um, you know, for me, it's just football. You know, I don't really care whether it's a women's team or, or a men's team or, or even kids, so long as I see ambition and aspiration and, mm. and players who want to get better and, and players who show unity and a collective and, and really want to achieve things, and then I get excited as well. So, you know, that's really what attracted me to this, op- uh, to this opportunity. And as I said, I can't wait to get over there and start working with the staff and the players. And is I the aspiration don't. to get to the Women's World Cup in 2023? Oh, definitely, definitely. That's that's the marker. Um, you know, for the first time in the country's history, that'd be an amazing bit of history. And we've seen what high-profile Matildas can do for the sport back here. You know, the amount of growth you can see in young kids who want to watch mm-hmm. the game and be connected to the game. And hopefully we can do the same thing in the Philippines. And they've got a vast, uh, vast uh, country and uh, millions of millions of people and potential players. You, you have an ocean to pick from if, if you can get the, the right filters running uh, can i just take this opportunity to wish you brenda and the kids all the very very best travel safely and uh, please keep us uh, uh, you know uh, you know uh, uh, aware with what's going on and if we can reach out to you in in la it'd be terrific that'll be that'll be awesome george and again thank you for your support and that'll be great to stay in touch when we're over there for sure